So here is the concept for our evening series. Jesus is the most extraordinary, most important, most loving person in the history of the world. And we want people to get to know him. Jesus is the word through whom and for whom the universe was made. Jesus is the son of God and son of man. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the saviour of the world. Through his blood shed on the cross, our sins can be forgiven. Jesus is the victor over the grave. Hold on to him and a way is made through eternal life. Jesus is the king who reigns over all and yet is also our closest friend. While on earth, Jesus lived an utterly beautiful life, full of kindness and compassion, justice and care. And now in heaven, Jesus spends his time praying for us day by day, moment by moment. Jesus sounds almost too good to be true. Yet the history books testify to him. Eyewitnesses have told his story. And many people in this room have met him personally. To be in a relationship with Jesus is the most exciting thing in the world. And to not be in a relationship with Jesus is to live a life where peace is never really found. So as followers of Jesus here today, it is our great privilege and our great responsibility in life to get the message out, to spread the good news, to tell his story and encourage others to put their trust in him as well. Now in the Bible, there is some instruction on how we are to go about this. The Lord does aid us in our task. Last week, we saw that, first of all, God has called and equipped specific men and women to be evangelists or sharers of the gospel. And their task is to seize every opportunity they can to boldly proclaim who Jesus is and what he has done. And these men and women, they're often convincing and articulate, confident, they're good speakers. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in the Bible, Peter and Paul would fit into that mould. But then alongside the evangelists, we saw last week, there are the rest of us. We may not feel very confident or articulate. We may not feel like very good speakers at all. Yet we still have a contribution to make. We are to live surprising lives. Lives that raise questions. People are to look at us and think, why do they behave like that? Why do they spend so much time helping other people? Why do they remain joyful in a time of tragedy? Where does their hope come from? Last week we read this verse from 1 Peter 3. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. 
Do you see, when people see us living intriguing, adventurous, grace-filled lives, they want to know more about us. They ask questions. And we get the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Um, when possible, to point them to the evangelists who can explain about him a little further. This then is the concept of all that we're doing over these weeks. We want people to know how great Jesus is. And the best thing that you and I can begin to do to contribute to that goal is to start living a life that surprises the world. Our current series is based on the book that goes by that name, Surprise the World. And in it, the author, Michael Frost, makes the case that the way to start living a life that raises questions in onlookers is by developing some good habits. Habits that propel us out into the community. Now, habits are actions that we repeat again and again, until they become second nature to us. Habits are things that we practice until new skills develop and our character matures. Now, we'll need to commit to these habits. We'll need to work quite hard to put them into practice. But over time, they become easier. And the effort that we put in will be worthwhile because we will see that opportunities will come to speak of Jesus. And in his book, Michael Frost suggests five habits, and we're looking at the first one today. It's quite simple. We're to be people who try to bless others. What does it mean to bless someone? Well, it means to speak well of them or to praise them. It means to take steps to make them happy. It means to benefit them or to contribute to their well-being. Interestingly, the old English words used to speak about this concept mean to add strength to another's arm. To add strength to another's arm. I like that. We are to be people who strengthen our neighbours and our colleagues, our family and our friends. We're to build them up. We're to encourage them. We're to increase their strength. We're to seek to relieve them of the burdens that they're carrying. Allow them to breathe more easily. We're to try and lift their spirits and alleviate their distress. This is what it means to bless someone. Now, there may be some of us sitting here this evening thinking, well, okay, this all sounds good, but this um, is starting to sound a little bit like a motivational speech or, or a pep talk. I could be getting this anywhere. What is there specifically Christian about trying to bless our neighbours? Well, I think in the Bible, there are several answers to that. First of all, one of the foremost ways that the Bible presents God is as a God of blessing. A God who longs to bless his people. In fact, the whole narrative arc of scripture begins with God's call to Abraham, where God expressed his desire to form a people 
who would bless. Listen again to these well-known verses from Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Our God is a God who longs to bless. His desire is for his blessing to spread out right around the world. So as we seek to bless other people, we are actively demonstrating something important about God's character to them. The second thing that the Bible says about blessing is that it is our proper response of worship to all that God has done for us. That is what that reading from Romans 12 was all about. Romans is Paul's greatest work. He explains at length the great love of God, the great achievements of the cross and the resurrection. It's a wondrous letter to read. But once he's finished explaining who God is and and what he's done for us, he instructs us on how we are to respond. And he says we are to offer our bodies in worship. We're not to act like the world around us does. We're to start living a life according to God's will. And then in verses 9 to 21 of Romans 12, he gives us a list of what that looks like. What it looks like to live a life of praise. It's not just about gathering to sing songs on a Sunday, though that is very important. To live a life for God is a life that loves and blesses others day by day. If you still have that passage open in front of you, just look again at what Paul encourages us to do. It's very practical. We are to sincerely love those around us. We are to be devoted to one another. We are to honour others above ourselves, put their needs before our own. We are to share with those in need and offer hospitality to them. We are to celebrate with those who are celebrating. We are to mourn with those who are mourning. We are to associate and make friends with the lowest of the low. We're to try and make peace where there is conflict. We are to feed the hungry and water the thirsty, even if they've treated us badly. We are to seek to overcome evil in this world by doing good. This is what a life of worship looks like. This is how to respond to the God who has given his very best for us. Perhaps most challengingly of all in these verses, Paul says that just as God chose to bless us when we were sinning and letting him down and treating him appallingly, our act of worship is to bless others even when they're treating us badly. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
So blessing other people reflects the character of God out into the world and it is also our true and proper response of worship for all that God has already done for us. The final thing that I would like to point out is that to bless someone is to give them a foretaste of heaven. The final chapters of the Bible give us just a picture of what life will be like when the curse of sin has finally been removed from the world for good. And what is the opposite of a curse? It is a blessing. Revelation 21 and 22 speak of the new heavens and the new earth as a place of unending blessing, a place of healing and wholeness and peace, a place of light, not dark, a place where tears are dried and fear is no more. When we bless someone, we're giving them a foretaste of glory. We are bringing a little piece of heaven to earth, just as we're instructed to do in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our prayer is that as people receive this little foretaste of glory, they'll start to ask, well, how can I know more of that? How can I be assured that one day I'll be there myself? And we can start to tell them, about Jesus. Now that's only been a very quick skim through the Bible, but I hope we can see enough that this habit of blessing other people is thoroughly scriptural. Indeed, blessing others is part of what God instructs for our lives. Now there are any number of ways to bless another person. Some of them large, some of them small, but in his book, Michael Frost helpfully condenses them down to three categories. As we start forming this habit of blessing others in our lives, these are helpful ways for us to think about what we could be doing. First of all, he talks about words of affirmation. I showed you the card that Emily once wrote to me. I've received several others this week, lovely messages in birthday cards, messages of love and encouragement. I also received an email this week after the funeral I took on Tuesday, thanking me and complimenting me for how the funeral had gone. I thought it was quite a difficult funeral. I was really encouraged to receive this email. Words of affirmation. They can be so simple. Send a note, write a short email, fire off a text. It only need be a few words, but the words can really brighten someone's day. Mark Twain once said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. Michael Frost describes a word of encouragement as like oxygen for the soul. Words of affirmation tell the people around us that we've noticed something really worthwhile about them. And of course, there's lots that are worthwhile about them because they are made in the image of God. Words of affirmation help us to communicate that and communicate love to them. How special it is to hear or to read words like, I know, I care, I'm with you in this. How can I help you? 
praying for you. Keep going, you'll get through. I believe in you. What would our lives begin to look like if this became a habit where we regularly look to affirm other people? What questions would be raised in their minds? I know it would deepen our relationships and with that will come the opportunities to speak about Jesus. The second form of blessing that Michael Frost highlights is performing acts of kindness. We all feel blessed when someone does us a favour or offers some practical support. Jesus came to earth and got alongside us. He got his hands and his feet dirty in order to help and to serve us. What a difference it makes when we do that for another. So be it cutting the grass of an old lady, or babysitting for an exhausted couple, or helping a neighbour move house, or doing the shopping for someone with COVID, these generous acts are a simple way of surprising people. Alcoholics Anonymous have a set of nine promises that they ask their clients to commit to. Number five is this. I will do somebody a good turn and will not get found out. If anybody knows of it, it will not count. And what that promise shows us is that living this life where we're seeking to bless others actually benefits our own soul as well as those that we're seeking to help. But to put that into Christian terms and this series... By practically assisting those people around us, we're hoping that our bonds of friendship with them will grow deeper and the opportunities to share about Jesus will come more and more. So words of affirmation, acts of kindness. The third form of blessing that Michael Frost lays out is the giving of gifts. And again, this makes a lot of sense. At the heart of love is the spirit of giving. When we give to someone, we show thoughtfulness. We show effort on their behalf. It's not at all about the cost of the gift. It's about what it symbolises. We can give gifts on birthdays and at Christmas, of course, but perhaps the most significant gifts are those that are unexpected. Gifts that are totally undeserved, totally unmerited. Now, why is the giving of gifts such a powerful act for a Christian? Well, because they clearly mimic the act of God giving us the gift of his son. And the gift of Jesus to us was utterly unmerited, utterly undeserved. And it was a gift that defines to us what love really is. So as we give to others, we are praying that over time the opportunity will come where we say, I gave to you because God gave to me. As we give to others, it fosters this this spirit of generosity, this Christ-like, God-like character. And that alerts those around us to his reign. 
So here then is the challenge that Michael Frost sets out in his book for this week. Can we begin to develop this habit of blessing in our lives? Now, I don't want to be legalistic and I don't want to make this feel overwhelming. I just want you to try and give this a go. But Michael, bless, Michael Frost tries to get us to think about blessing three people. Three people in a week. One person inside the church, so our bonds within the church grow and deepen. One person outside the church, because obviously we're trying to share Jesus with them. And then another from either of the two categories. You might be able to manage three, you might be able to just manage one. But just one will make a difference. Now this is going to take some work, it's going to take some effort at first, it's going to take some thinking. Maybe we'll need to get up in the morning and pray, God, give me an opportunity to bless someone today. But as we do this, our relationships will grow. This habit of blessing will bind us closer as a church and it will propel us out into the community. And if we can become known as a people who love to bless, our lives will be a surprise to them. Questions will be raised and we'll have the chance to tell them about Jesus. We began this sermon by articulating just how much people need to hear the gospel. Let us recognise that people who've already been blessed are much more likely to listen.